0: listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBTQ adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Neil and Stuart and talking about when the birth family object to the adoption. Hi both of you, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Hi, how are you? Hi.
0: I'm good, thank you. I know that you're in your kitchen. You got your dogs with you, so we may or may not hear from them. And your baby's asleep, so we've got a window of opportunity.
1: Yeah, he's a good sleeper, so we've probably got a couple of hours. If you wanted
2: to, oh wow, okay,
0: let's <laughs> been an epic episode.
2: Usually, I sat- usually, at this point, we'd be manically cleaning the kitchen, tidying <laughs> up. It's quite nice to have a break from that too Definitely. It's insane,
0: isn't it? it's like oh my god the baby's asleep Rest now, relax now, now, now It's oh god So yeah um, I remember it well How old is he now?
1: He is 20 months now Yeah, Just. first birthday in November
0: So still very little and how long has he been with you? He has been with us For nearly five
1: months
2: Yeah yeah. He How's came it home. Been? yeah. Although it feels like forever In the best possible it way It does yeah
0: do you feel like you've taken to it well? You know, are you still in shock?
1: I mean, personally for me, I think I could probably speak for you as well. Um, because we had such a long time to get used to the idea of, you know, having a child, or we spoke to so many people about the adoption process and stuff. We kind of
2: did prepare ourselves quite well for it, I think. Yeah, I, I guess you're never 100% fully prepared for it to happen, but we were as close as possible having... yes, yeah, but I think we'd we'd probably been dreaming about it for six years but actually working on it and being in the in the process for two and a half years so yeah it really did feel like we we couldn't have done any more to prepare ourselves so it, yeah it's felt very natural hasn't it yeah I think so
0: that's lovely
2: I think
1: the shock is like that your house is never yours anymore <laughs> your time is never yours anymore
2: <laughs> Constantly constantly stepping on toys (laughs) and tripping over things and water bottles everywhere, but it's amazing. It's the best possible. (laughs) <laughs>
0: it's a lot of fun i'm approaching the other end of that so uh, my eldest turned 17 yesterday and so wow. i've been ringing the car insurance company to find out how much it po- costs to put a 17 year old on your wow. car insurance yeah Ready to take another mortgage <laughs> pretty much yeah I, th- I think i might sell one of the other children to fund the car insurance <laughs> for the 17 year old so yeah it's uh, i am terrified well, but yeah, I but, I yeah. When we when i
1: pass my test you um car places were giving like two two years free insurance. Yeah, you used to buy a like a car on yeah. a finance scheme and you got uh, two years free. When I was, I was 17 and now it's probably like thousands of pounds, I can't believe it, it's so funny.
0: Yeah, no, it is and uh, yeah, there's some weird insurance companies that I've never heard of, there's like one called Go Girl and I'm like, I can't, I can't I can't be insured by Go Girl insurance, that's <laughs> awful. So <laughs> I'm going to have to find one with some sort of feminist message behind it. Anyway um, cool, so Let's talk about, you mentioned just as we were chatting then about it took two and a half years. So it sounds like even before the birth family objections to the adoption, you had a long ride. Do you want to sort of take me back to the start and talk me through that?
2: Yeah, so I think right from the get go, when we were first accepted by the agency, there were a shortage of social workers. So that was already our first kind of bump in the road. I think we had to wait about four months to be assigned our social worker. And then when we were assigned our social worker, it all seemed to kick off and and start flying, which was great. Um, Stage one, where we had to do our kind of personal, our self-led questions and and reflections actually went quite quickly at the beginning, didn't it? Because we took ownership of it and we were keen to get going and, you know, we we would sit together and do questions together, sit separately, do questions separately and then kind of submitted that to our social worker in preparation for moving to stage two. And I suppose that's then where things started to get a bit trickier. So there were some things that came up in our stage one kind of reflections and that caused then our social worker to say, we need to explore some things in more detail. And that seemed to just drag on and on, didn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. It was a bit of a hard time, wasn't it, this yeah. stage two? And then there was a certain questions that we were asked from the social workers that we didn't... I don't think we really fully understood what they meant. And for one reason or another, it kind of like escalated a bit. And we, we didn't understand why they were asking certain questions because we'd been very honest about everything that they wanted to know. And we're very honest in the workbooks of stage one. Mm. And then when we got to stage two and they, these questions were put to us, we were actually taken back a bit, weren't we? We just we weren't prepared for them. And it just led to further questions. And then our social worker went away and we had a while to wait, didn't we? And then mm. it all kind of like kicked off again. But it was the backwards and forwards that kind
2: of threw us a bit, I think. Yeah, and you mentioned there about our, our social worker going away and there was lots of annual leave. There was lots of times where um, we couldn't contact the social worker, our social worker then, whilst we were in stage two, told us that she was leaving. So we got a different social worker who came to meet us at our house and hadn't read our par. So was asking us all these random questions that were all answered in our par. So we were we were sort of frustrated again at that stage. And then she was let go of a few months after. So then we moved on to our third social worker, who fortunately was the practice manager. Um, yeah. I think they realized at that point that we were going slightly crazy with the fact that social workers were constantly
0: changing. I bet Uh, you were. And so when, just jumping back a little bit, when you were saying about they were kind of asking questions that you didn't know what they were getting at and they were kind of sticking points, do you feel like you can say a bit more about those things and give an example of what that was?
1: So Neil and I both have had um, like food and kind of like body image issues like throughout our lives and there was a couple of questions related to that, weren't there? That, yeah. that were that we were very happy to answer, but they kind of wanted to push and push and push for more answers and just more probing about stuff. And we weren't we weren't really prepared for that kind of interrogation. We were very prepared for the fact that we needed to bear our souls and be very honest. Mm. But it, I think it got to a point where we we just weren't we were just confused as to why they
2: wanted mm. that level of information. The level of information they wanted. So it was a bit of an odd one as well, because on one hand, the social worker was saying, don't worry about it. It's just procedure. We just need to explore this in more detail. Um, But on the other hand, these questions were really invasive and, and not clear. So, for example, when we did our medicals, they all came out fine. Stuart's came out that he was overweight and mine came out that I was obese due to the BMI. And when we explored that, the social worker said, you know, BMIs are really antiquated. We know that they're not um, a true representation of, you know, people's fitness and, and health. Um, so don't worry about it at all. But then there were lots of questions around lifestyle and and exploring all of that weight stuff in in so much detail. And then we'd give answers, and then there'd be more questions. And it just felt like it was, a, it felt like our answers, despite the fact that we were completely open and honest and, and really trying to answer everything in great detail, it felt like the answers weren't enough. Yeah, I think so much so that we, a couple of times I said
1: to Neil, like, I kind of feel like, why, why were we so honest? Like maybe we shouldn't have been so honest. Yeah. But that's a terrible thing to even think and say out loud. But you do get to that point where you just think, oh, my God, this is so frustrating. Like if I was if we would just said, no, we're fine. We haven't got any body issues. We've never had a diet problem. We would have just maybe sailed through the process. But we were very honest and it, not to the detriment, because obviously we got through it and we've got a, an amazing child. But you, those things really like stick with you, I think. For a while after
0: yeah I agree with that completely I think sometimes um the system can become a bit fixated on any difference any deviation from the absolute I was going to say straight path I don't mean heterosexual path but you know the absolute straight path the second you deviate from that at all you can find yourself going round and round and round a topic to the point that you're thinking is it a different answer they want because I'm now repeating and repeating. So what is it they're after? And it's this kind of little worm gets in your brain about maybe what they're asking is not what I'm answering. I went to something the other day with a whole bunch of adoption agencies. And one of the conversations in one of the breaks was sort of vaguely pertinent to this, I guess, in that they said that younger people who are now coming through the system are not hiding drug use. And so like when I went through, I knew the correct answer to have you ever taken drugs was, no, I have never taken drugs, ever, ever, honest. Yeah. And they were like, "Right, well, they write that down and then that's fine, now we're all okay. And so I knew that was the big quotes, correct answer to that. But what they're saying now is that younger people coming through are not saying, they're like, yeah, yeah, I've done that loads of times. And wow. they're having to now do assessments where people are being honest about recreational drug use and stuff. And so I really hope the system eventually steps up a little bit to we all have stuff we all have interesting and varied lives but it seems at the moment it gets stuck on interesting and varied you know you don't want to be too interesting that's for sure
1: it's very it's actually really frustrating isn't it? think about it it's it's any it it's not modernized at all it feels like to be in line with the new world we live in of social media of mental health of people seeing a therapist of all those kind of things like that it doesn't allow for that at all mm-hmm. um which is so bizarre because as you said like it, it kind of has to now because there's so many different things that people are going through it's just quite bizarre yeah and the social
0: mm-hmm. workers all look like they're about 23 years old you know yeah. and so you kind of think yeah it's really odd i I think everyone looks at everyone else in the system and thinks the system can't cope with difference. When, in fact, any individual, and I chat to social workers all day long about this stuff. They're like, yeah, yeah, I'd happily assess somebody with this and with that and with that. But then they're all like, yeah, but we'd never match them. And the matching people are like, no, we could totally match them. Children's social workers will never go for it, though. And the children's social workers are like, yeah, yeah, we'd place with them, but I don't think the schools will like it. And it's like, God, everybody's worried about what somebody else thinks. And, Yeah. yeah.
1: It's so true. And actually, we were talking to a friend a while ago, and I remember her saying that there was a particular adoption agency who, if your BMI was too high, they basically said, we we can't actually consider you to adopt a child, which is just horrifying mm. to think that a BMI that was invented in like 1800s <laughs> is now stopping people in 2023 adopting. It's just Oh my god! I, don't get me on BMI because <laughs> I can go on for hours and hours and hours. We've about been it. there. Done We've done
2: that. I bought the T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> BMI situation. Gosh,
0: yeah, yeah, I spoke to someone else who said that you know their assessment got stuck on BMI more than on any other factor, and there were other factors, but it was the single biggest sticking point was oh BMI. God. You think? flipping out. That's
1: crazy. Uh,
0: yeah anyway so so you managed to get through that and then all of these social worker changes and stuff and you'd got to the point where you were saying you'd ended up with somebody senior who was then in charge of getting you through the assessment what happened from there
1: well thankfully it was almost I say almost plain sailing but it kind of wasn't but it was a lot easier than we had we had the the
2: practice manager involved yeah we at that point had already made a link with our child. We hadn't been formally matched at that point, but we already had the link. So that was already going on in the background. So when the new social worker came on board, she was definitely able to support us in moving forward with that and and get going with that. What we didn't foresee was the fact that the birth mum challenged the judge's decision when the placement order was made. So that was something that neither our child social worker or I think the family finder had experienced before. So it was kind of uncharted territory in that, you know, there are certain points when the birth parents can contest. Um, and that wasn't an a natural point where the birth parents could contest, but the birth mum felt so strongly against the judge's deci- decision decision that she challenged that. So we were in the position where we had had this link with this child, but the social worker was saying to us, we don't know how long this is going to take because what has to happen is the court has to respond to the birth parent. And that could be, uh, yes, we'll hear what you have to say and we'll review, or it could be, no, the judge has made the decision. And then immediately that that happens, we can carry on with our process. And that ended up taking- A few months. Three months. But that was three months of just no updates, not knowing, still desperately wanting to maintain the link that we had with this child, but also knowing that if it, we couldn't wait forever. It wasn't indefinite, we couldn't just keep holding on. I think I think personally that was like maybe the hardest part of the whole two and a half years,
1: because I, I personally don't really suffer from stress and anxiety a lot, but that was a point I think one of the points in my life that it really like took hold and the three months was like agony because like neil said there was you they couldn't give you a date a time they couldn't even give you a ballpark figure of uh, how many weeks or days it might take they literally said no we can't do that we can't do that so we were constantly asking and there was no updates and as neil said we were we actually said to the social worker at one point look we need to be realistic about this. If you're saying that it might take six months or a year, we're going to have to move on
2: mm. and try and find maybe another link to another child. But that, that was really difficult in itself because we'd already seen pictures of the child. Yeah. We had, um, there were se- several meetings that we could do during that time period that the IRO had said that we were allowed to do. So we were allowed to meet the doctor who had done the, the medicals we were allowed to meet the foster carers, although they reversed that decision in the end. So we didn't meet them before that was resolved. We were allowed to have the health visitors reports. There were lots of things that we were allowed to do. So we were gaining more and more information about the child, seeing more pictures, um, really starting to feel that connection as much as you can um, while still being in this kind of limbo land. Mm.
0: That's so very, very difficult. And yeah, three months from now, looking backwards, well, it's three months. But when you've got no deadline, it's just running a marathon with no finish line, isn't it?
1: Yeah, completely. And yeah, I, I, we were talking about this yesterday. Um, I, my, I know this sounds like such a random thing to say, but my under my eyes <laughs> and behind my ears started to get really, really itchy and like <laughs> like a burning feeling, like throughout this three months. And I said to Neil. I, I don't know what to do. I've been to the doctor. There's no rash. There's no nothing. I don't know what the hell is going on. And the minute we got the good news that the there was no con- contact, basically, the itching and, uh, and the redness went away completely.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. Too. Your body just displays your stress. It was pure
1: stress that caused it. Literally, the moment
2: we heard, it stopped itching. It was yeah. quite bizarre, wasn't it? It was. And it was a really difficult time because you want to be open and honest can well we had been the whole way through open and honest with our social workers about how we were feeling and and all of those kind of things but you don't want to make it sound too extreme because you don't want them to say oh actually maybe you know this isn't the right time for you or, or you sound like you're getting extremely stressed how would you cope having yeah. a child so you're constantly kind of playing this game of yeah actually this is really stressful and this is really causing me a lot of anxiety because like you said, it's running that marathon with no end in sight, but we still desperately want this child. So we need to do whatever we need to do to, to get him. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, I I remember that so clearly, that thing of you've got to keep your temper, you've got to keep reasonable. You remember those toys as a kid? It was like inflatable. It was like a person, inflatable big person. You would hit it and it would fall to flat and stand yeah, itself yeah. back up again, like it had sand in the oh. bottom or something. It's got a grinning face on it. That's what I think it was like at points. You yeah. know, it's like you get punched in the face by the system and up oh. you spring with your big grin on your face again. Really yeah. hard.
1: It really is hard. I remember having like a couple of conversations with social worker before on one now, because of the during this, t- during that time. And I said, I'm feeling really, really frustrated. I'm feeling quite stressed and anxious about it. And she basically turned on her therapist voice, and tried to like, almost talk me down from the ledge. And I just thought, I, I mean, this is not me bashing social workers, I think they're great. And she, and she was good to a limit. And then she just wasn't. And I felt like that was the point where I was like, hang on a minute, like, I don't, I don't want you as a therapist, I need you as a support to me for me going through this. And that's not what you're doing right now. Um, And it was just a very, it was just so confusing Mm. in our heads, because we knew what we wanted to do. We knew where we were going, we wanted it to happen. And it felt like
2: there was every roadblock in the way. So I remember that social worker liked to meet us individually as well as together and I remember Stuart saying to me after a call you know I was talking to her and all of a sudden I saw her look down and start to take notes. My <laughs> god And I think actually Stuart, at that point you said to her something like, are you writing this all down? And I she was did. like, oh yes, I just need to keep a record of, you know, our conversations at which point, obviously it's like, well, I'm going to stop talking then because this is supposed to be just a, I don't want it on record. Exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. a flowing kind of informal conversation about where we're at. Yeah. And actually you're committing this all to, you know, this, is you're putting this down in black and white. And yeah. actually that's not, that's not what we want. No, it's not where we're at. No
0: no i i agree with that um sort of linked that so i know someone who's autistic and they said everyone says it's fine that i'm autistic until i act autistic and then it's not fine the concept is fine that i'm autistic but the being autistic is not actually fine and it feels a bit like that that it's it's okay to be sad and frustrated don't act it though you just have to name right. it but don't act like a sad or frustrated person because yeah. then it, again it it's then oh now we're worried about you now we've got concerns yeah it's the walking on eggshells
2: that was. You had yeah. to, it was another thing that you had
1: to consider.
2: Yeah,
0: that
2: uh, that was also really problematic because we we would contact this social worker and then we wouldn't hear back for a week or longer, and we had a meeting where we we just wanted to address that and just say you know we'd really appreciate if you could just respond to us not even the next day but just so we know that you're going to get back to us the next amount of time and her response was. I don't like to practice in this way, but because of my workload, I have to prioritize other things. So there will be periods of time where you don't hear from me for a week or longer. And that was just so disheartening to hear. That was just such a, a disappointing response where we're saying to her, please, just let us know you're there. You don't need to respond immediately. You don't need to answer the query at that moment. But please just let us know that you're there. And her response was, this isn't the way that I want to practice, but tough luck, basically. Yeah
0: so a very very lengthy process and so the objection that came from the birth family at that stage can you say a bit more about that and then what happened after that
1: yeah so she put the con what was it what's it called <laughs> challenge challenge she put the challenge through and obviously towards at the end of the three months we kind of got like a, a call and just said that the it's, it's the judges kind of like come to a decision that they're not going to progress any further with her challenges she hasn't you know turned her life around enough to make it aware that she is going to be a good enough parent um so we kind of were able to move on with the actual process like Neil said we got to do things before that point that we were allowed to but we couldn't go as far as matching panel Mm. Um, so matching panel was the last thing that we could where we
2: stopped Mm. before the contest was all like done. so So we, we sorry go on The frustration really was that all of the professionals were saying the birth mum does not have any grounds to make this challenge on. Um, And without giving too much detail about the child's, the reason why the child was was eventually given that placement order, the both the birth mum and dad had it had been ruled in court that they absolutely under no circumstances could they have their children living with them due to their behaviour. So every professional was saying this isn't going to be a problem. It's absolutely fine. It will all it will all be fine. But it was just that length of time, just just waiting for the courts to respond. But obviously, when they did, we were just so relieved. And it just it just randomly happened, didn't it? It was just mm-hmm. we we hadn't had any updates for a while, and then all of a sudden we got this email. It was just the most like euphoric yeah (laughs) it was like finally we can just carry on this process and just yeah get to where we we want to be yeah
1: you can you kind of get through the first panel and you get you're so relieved because you work up you wake yourself up and it's nerve-wracking and then it's not until you have this kind of challenge that comes up and you wait three months that and actually, Pano was a doddle and you, <laughs> you get through it and it's fine. But this was like, yes, oh my God, we can continue. We can get our son now. Yeah. And that's kind of like how it felt, isn't
2: it? Yeah. And it really affirmed for us that he was our son. Oh. He was our child. It was like, there, are, there is absolutely no doubt in our minds that he is he's ours. He's ours, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, you two are just beaming because I can see you. Yeah. Obviously, everyone else can just hear you, but you are both just glowing.
2: <laughs> Thank you. He's <laughs> particularly amazing yeah he really is (laughs) it is you know they you talk a lot about the match when you're in the process you know you you talk a lot about it and you try to work out how on earth you are going to create a match with a child that you do not know and you're really conscious that The match works both ways, you know? And then when it happens, it is just the most incredible... Yeah. It's the most incredible thing in the world. Yeah, it really was. Is
0: (laughs) What moment did he feel... You've said it confirmed that it was yours, but what moment did he feel like your child? Like, you know, was it when you shut the door, when you picked him up? You know, was there a moment for either of you?
1: I think it was the first time we saw him in the foster carer's house. Exactly what I was going to say. I mean, we... We had known that the foster carers were particularly attached to him because he was such an amazing child mm-hmm. and they re I think they they obviously did like an incredible job with him, mm-hmm. but they were very vocal about the fact that they had three kids of their own and they kept on saying that B was not like any not like any child they'd ever met in a really, really positive way. They just loved him and they loved just spending time with him. We yeah. were like, Oh my god, we need to meet him right now. Yeah. And then the second we walked in we, you kind of like gingerly walk through their house because you don't know what to expect. Yeah. You don't know what the char- how the child's going to react. Yeah. And we sat down either side of him. He was in his high chair. We sat down either side of him. And he just had the biggest smile on his face. Yeah. And he was just whipping his head backwards
2: and forwards. It was like he was at Wimbledon watching yeah. a game of tennis. He was looking to me. Then he was looking to you yeah. backwards and forwards, um, smiling. Laughing. And th- I think that was the moment that we we're just like, oh yeah, you're definitely ours. And we've oh. we've actually got that moment on camera, yeah. which is so special. Yeah. Um just that moment of of meeting for the first time. But you made such a good point. That first that first moment where you're you're going into the foster carer's house, there's so much at play there. You know, yes, we're about to meet our child for the first time, but yes, we're also going into a strangers a stranger's house yes. where we're going to be spending a lot of time. And they absolutely love and adore him. We actually found out later in the transition process that they had told their foster carer that, that they, sorry, they had told their social worker. social worker that they wanted to adopt him. Right, uh, yeah. Because they just had fallen in love with him. Mm. So it's, yeah, it was a lot of play. But it, that was the moment where we knew that he was our child.
0: Oh, yeah. that's just delightful. Oh, <laughs> so how's it been since? So he came home to you and then what?
1: It's just been amazing. He, he's just slotted into our lives like ridiculously well. He's very sociable. He eats and he drinks and he sleeps really well. We cocooned just the three of us, mm-hmm. as they kind of like, tell you to do. We did it for, I think, about three weeks, mm-hmm. didn't we? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've literally visited every supermarket in a five mile radius <laughs> for something to do. Like, we needed to get out of the house, but we didn't, we couldn't see anyone. So we ended up going to
2: supermarkets we never even heard of. <laughs> Even heard of, still managed to, to still managed to bump into <laughs> yeah. friends of your mum yeah. and friends <laughs> of your sister and we were they were sworn to secrecy. You have not met him, don't <laughs> tell anyone. <laughs> Went to soft play. Yeah. Over and over, over again. Over and again. But yeah, it was I think that was that was it was really difficult, but it was also the most incredible experience to just spend three weeks, just getting to know each other, just getting to learn everybody's little ways, and you yeah. know, it was it was amazing. And then it felt
1: a bit like COVID again. Got to be honest. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, there
2: was an element of being in lockdown. Yes, as long, yeah. It it was amazing to have that time, um, and then it just felt right that he started to meet our parents first, and then our siblings and my nephews. He's got a really tight bond with now. Yeah.
1: And it just, yeah, as I said, like he's very sociable, which makes it very easy because it means that he can be in these situations. The foster, as I said, the foster carers have three of their own kids. They had another two foster care children at home um, and they had a very busy house. Mm. So when he first came here and it was just gonna be us two, we were actually a bit worried. We kind mm. of said to our social worker, like we we know that he's used to a busy house. What, what do we do? And actually he was fine. Mm. And the minute minute he started meeting people, he just loved it. You could see how much he was getting from it. It was
0: actually
2: actually one of the questions at panel, wasn't it? They said, you know, because he currently lives, or at that point currently lived in a very busy household, how do you think he will react to the fact that it's just him in the house? And actually, you know, our response was that, it will give him the time to just be him yes. and and just just be all about him mm-hmm. for however long until he starts then to meet people and, and whatever. And I think that was a really lovely opportunity for him to just sort of learn to figure out his place in the world and who we are, who we are and-, and all of those sorts of things. So actually, it was a really lovely opportunity for him to just have all the attention and... Yeah. Um, and now he's. You know, I think. I think the minute, you know, you shut the door and he's yours, the,
1: all the worries go. Because I was particularly worried about the fact that you know these two big hairy men were coming into his life <laughs> and taking him. And you know, uh, how was he going to respond to that? He the foster um, the foster carers were um, a heterosexual couple, but they were, I don't know. They obviously they didn't look like us. The dad didn't look like us at all. And it was just that was a real concern of mine that he he didn't he just almost didn't care. Like he's just I think it's that thing if you're a, when their are babies, they just want someone to love them and feed them and look after them and kiss them and play with them. And they're fine. And it really is that, isn't it? Like yeah. he he really didn't. It, it wasn't a thing at all. No. I think it's just in my head. No. It was a big thing, but not for him. He just took it in a stride.
0: That's so so nice, and yeah. so the big question, I guess, are you done at one? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no is the answer. No is the no is the short answer. <laughs> okay. But we get the answers, as you might have figured out. Um. So we actually, when we when we started the process, we did say to our our social worker that we wanted to do two. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time. Um, And through the journey of, you know, talking about all this BMI nonsense and all of that, she said, I'm only going to put you forward for one, Um, which we did challenge. And we we went to her manager and spoke to her manager. And I think, you know, reflecting on that, you have to just believe that everything happens for a reason. We wouldn't have the son that we have today if we'd have followed that kind of desire at that point we wouldn't have been able to give him our complete 100% divided attention and, you know, give him the experience that he's had if there was another one in the mix at that point. So, yeah, it had always been our desire to have more than one. And we still have that, don't we?
1: We do. I mean, I I turned 40 in April and I just said, like, I don't want to be a really old dad. And I know 40 is not old, but <laughs> I, I'm glad that we we've got the first one by the time I was 40 and now... I kind of feel like we're not ready just yet. He's only yeah. been with us for five months. <laughs> but we definitely know that I think we want to. Yeah, We have got not, it's is not particularly, is, is it's still a journey because birth mum has said that she's going to contest at the point of the adoption order. And then birth dad came forward and won, and has also said he wants to contest. Um, so we've still got a bit of, you know, a bit of time to sort or to go through all that. But I think after the end of this kind of like journey and and then once a year is, you know, legally, officially ours, then I do think we'll probably start again. Or
2: maybe after a year. So Yeah. And I think (laughs) I think we do need a bit of space because it was a challenging journey. We definitely do need a bit of space before we start all of that again. Um, I think I think that would be wise to just have have a little pause and then. Get back into it with eyes wide open. Yes, yeah.
0: definitely that.
2: I and, think we also need like a conversation with
1: the social worker because you, you know, you say I think we mentioned briefly that we wanted to, but you don't know. We, I don't really know what that looks like in terms of what you. I know that you have to do stage two again, but what does that actually look like? I feel like we need to know that before we go into it.
0: Yeah, they can often do a fast track assessment the second time because they really are only updating paperwork if you go with yeah. the same agency. So it's only since you finished what's happened since then, Um, so fingers crossed, and I mean it should never have been as long as it was for you anyway, so it'll probably feel surprisingly short, even if it runs to its normal length, but oh exciting, so what have they said to you about the birth parents contesting at this slide?
2: It's all been a bit um, disjointed in terms of the information that we've had, so initially the birth, we were told the birth mum would definitely contest, And then B, social worker, told us that the birth dad had said he was going to contest. Then the birth dad, when he found out the process, said that he wasn't going to contest. Um, And then also the birth mum has said that she isn't going to contest now, um, but he's going to go to court. So we're just waiting to see what happens on the day, really, because as we know, things can change and people can change their minds. And. Yeah, so it's it's all a bit difficult because it's all just fragments of information that are coming through B's social worker. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean who knows what you can believe and
0: what and what not at this stage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gosh, well what a journey.
2: Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing one, though, because we've got an amazing son. Absolutely. It's been a long, old journey. Yeah. Have you ever looked
0: back over the time that it took you? Because it obviously took you longer than your child's been alive for. Have you looked back kind of where in the process you were on your child's birthday, on the day they were born?
1: Um, Oh, God, where were we? We hadn't... I don't think we'd seen a picture of him by then, had we?
0: No, I mean, the day that he was born, what... I don't mean as 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 close or anything. I mean, the actual day of his birth. Um, I just wonder given how long your process was, you must have been absolutely in the midst of it, all going a bit wrong and stuff. And yeah. I just wonder if you could kind of fly back in time and speak to yourselves then to say, today's a bit crap, but you'll never believe it. Your baby's being born today, you know? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. God, what were we doing there? Oh, just, I, you know, it's not something that we've looked at. No, it's not. It's, um, it'd be an interesting thing to do, just look through the diary and see and what was going on for us near, around that time. the end of 2021. I can't even think no
0: it's I just I, I sometimes think and thought this myself when we were kind of going through it and it was taking a while that that concept of our baby is out there our child is yeah. out there but I guess at that stage you don't believe it. it's abstract but when you look back you could say you know oh on the first of January or whatever the baby was being born you know and right. I remember that day because I was thinking oh god we're never going to get through this or whatever you know it's. <laughs> I, think,
1: it's I think we were probably thinking that on that day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A lot of days. So (laughs) probably that probably that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so nice. And so is one of you on leave at the moment, given that the placement's fairly new.
2: Yeah, I've I've had uh what did I have? I ended up having five months months. off, which was absolutely incredible. And we've now got a month together. And then Then it's it's me over to Stuart. Then it's
1: me for
2: about five months as well. Yeah.
1: So yeah, it's um, I just couldn't wait to leave work and stop working and just look <laughs> after him full time. I was so ready, and everyone at work was like, "You know, it's it's work to look after a child." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, but it's different." I mean, I, I've got to say, like as a guy, you, there isn't really a point in your working career that you can actually take a lot of time off mm. because, as we know, paternity is usually what two weeks. Mm-hmm. If you're lucky, maybe if you're really lucky, you can extend it. But as a guy having a child it's very unusual that you can have that time off so um i'm just gonna savour it because i just yeah just can't wait
2: yeah
0: and that's another reason to have another one because you can do it again yeah
1: Yeah. maybe just do it now yeah
0: don't worry it gets easier the mother are definitely (laughs) Amazing. well as and when you decide that you're embarking on that i would love to talk to you both again or just for an update at some point really once it's all come true absolutely,
2: Definitely. Would love to.
0: oh fab well listen thank you so much for joining me it's ever so nice chat to you and you're just absolutely glowing both of you which is lovely to see so thank you so much Thanks, thank you so. i'd like to thank my guests today neil and Stuart. if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends Follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook search New Family Social or one word. Visit our website at newfamiliesocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next time with more guests and more tea.